The Book of Enoch, found within the Dead Sea Scrolls, quoted by Jude, taught from by Peter and our Messiah, this great text was preserved for the end times generation, a guidebook for those coming out of Mystery Babylon, coming out of Egypt and her ways into the true service of our Elohim. Join us as we read through and study this amazing gift line by line. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. Tonight is an incredibly important night. This is our part two series of our Enoch line-by-line -line study, our comprehensive study, digging into the book of Enoch. And tonight, I gotta tell you, it's probably gonna be one of the more important ones of this study. The reason being, part of my journey and my walk in 2015, these topics were exposed to me and it really opened up the scriptures wide open. Learning about fallen angels, the giants, the origin of demons, who Satan really is, how his fall actually happened. These things really opened my understanding to see these rulers of darkness really are here and they're pulling the strings behind the scenes using these men on this earth to put forth their wickedness and their doctrine, their hatred for the Most High. And the book of Enoch is the book that busted that wide open for me and for countless thousands others. And tonight, is what it's all about. So we're going to be talking about fallen angels, demons, giants, Satan, and what is actually going on behind the scenes here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Yahuwah Most High, we come before you and bless you and praise you in your, in your son's name, Messiah Husha, to whom none of this is possible without Father. We know that uh, we couldn't even understand truth. We couldn't come back to you uh, but by the blood of Messiah. So we're so thankful, Father, for salvation. We thank you for showing us that there's a walk to be had, Father, that there's commandments to keep. We thank you so much for showing us these truths in these last days, Father, busting wide open these conspiracies that have been withheld from our eyes, Father. And we just thank you so much for, for giving us light and truth in these last days, Father. We pray that tonight would be a blessing to someone out there, Father, that it would expose these evils and give them understanding, Father, because we know that wisdom comes from you and from you alone. And we bless you and praise you and thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, and Yahushua's mighty name. Amen and Shabbat Shalom. Let's get into it. No more delays, except for a little shofar blast. Now we're ready. Book of Enoch, again, we even though we love the Sefer translation here, we are going to be using the R.H. Charles version. So if you have the Sefer, uh, some of the chapters may not line up. I apologize, but this is the, uh, this is the text I felt led to use. So Enoch chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 2 and then stop. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them and said one to another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men and beget us children. So they lusted after women. No doubt, the very pinnacle, the very last uh, of Yahoo's creation, right? The woman. And this, the, the woman has been used to 
lead many astray, many, many men astray over the years, right? And the angels are no different. A lot of modern day theology will tell you, no, no, these were not angels. Uh, these were uh, the sons of Seth, right? And they'll call it the Sethite theory. Uh, Sethite theory, sorry. Uh, but tonight we're going to bust that wide open. We're going to show you that Enoch is a true text and what they're saying, what he's saying here is true. Let's go to Genesis 6, 1 through 2. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of Elohim, the sons of Elohim, saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. So pretty much almost identical passage we see in Genesis and Enoch. Let's break this down though and see what's actually going on here. We're looking at the interlinear of Genesis 6-2, right? It says here that the uh, the the sons of Elohim, B'nai Ha-Elohim, right? These are literally the sons of Elohim. These are the angels, and I'm going to prove that to you. There's only a few times this is mentioned. Job 1, 6-7, Now there was a day when the sons of Elohim, I'm going to show you in the, in the Hebrew, B'nai Ha-Elohim, same thing, came to present themselves before Yahuwah, and Satan came also among them. So this is no mere uh, men presenting themselves before Yahuwah. Something else is going on here. So we know that when we present ourselves, Satan doesn't come right next to us and present himself as well. So something else is going on here. And Yahuwah said unto Satan, when come, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered, Yahuwah and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. So this is in the heavenly courts, these are the angels of Elohim presenting themselves before the Most High, Satan as well. Job 1.6, interlinear. This is the same thing. And there was a day when came the B'nai Ha-Elohim, the sons of Elohim. It's the very same terminology used in Job 1.6, which we know this is a vision in the heavens, right? This is not down here on earth. So it's the same terminology, B'nai Ha-Elohim. In the Greek Septuagint, and it came to pass when man began to be numerous upon the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of Elohim, now I know this is just a um, uh, commentary, but they know, the angels of Elohim, having seen the daughters of men that they were beautiful, took to themselves wise of, of all who they chose. Right? I'm going to show you here in the Targums, the Aramaic. And it was when the sons of men began to multiply on the face of the earth. So what we're doing is we're looking at multiple sources, two or three witnesses. When the uh, sons of men began to multiply on the face of the earth and fair daughters were born to them, that the sons of the great saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and painted and curled, walking with revelation of the flesh and with the imaginations of wickedness, that they took them wives of all who pleased them. And Yahuwah said by his word, Messiah, right? And so, in any case, um, so the, who, who's who's the sons of the great? Who's the who's the great? I think we all know who that is, right? All right, uh, let's keep going. Let's take a look at the book of Jubilees, or chapter four, starting at verse fifteen. Which the book of Jubilees, in case you're new, uh, was also found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Over fifteen copies, and the Hebrew was complete. Jubilees 4.15, and in the second week of this tenth jubilee, Mahalalel took unto him to be his woman, Dina, the daughter of Barakiel, the daughter of his father's brother, and she bore him a son in the third week in the sixth year, and he called his name Yared, in the English, or in the normal translation, Jared. For in his days, the angels of Yahuwah descended on the earth. I'm so glad they make it much clearer in this text. The, day, uh, the angels of Yahuwah descended on the earth, those who are named 
the watchers. We're going to talk a lot about the watchers tonight. That they should instruct the children of men and that they should do judgment and uprightness in the earth. So the watchers were the ju- were supposed to be the judges and the instructors of men into righteousness. However, they saw these beautiful women and they said, no, we're going to transgress Elohim and we're going to do what we want. They followed the lead of the original rebel, which we'll talk about here shortly. And in the 11th Jubilee, say how far we're going to read. We're going to read to verse 23. And the 11th Jubilee, Yared took to himself a woman, and her name was Baraka, daughter of Rasual, a daughter of his father's brother, in the fourth week of this Jubilee, and she bore him a son in the fifth week, in the fourth year of the Jubilee, and called his name Hanok. And he was the first among men that are born on the earth who learned writing and knowledge and wisdom, and who wrote down the signs of heaven according to the order of their months, and they suffer in a book, which is what we're going through, right? that men might know the seasons of the years according to the order of their separate months. And he was the first to write a testimony, and he testified to the sons of men among the generations of the earth, and recounted the weeks of the jubilees, and made known to them the days of the years, and set in order the months, and recounted the Shabbatot, the Sabbaths of years, as we made them known to him. And And what was and what will be, he saw in a vision of his sleep, right? So he saw prophecy as it will happen to the children of men throughout their generations until the day of judgment. I am so looking forward. This is towards the end of the book in the, in the 80s, but he Enoch literally dreams a dream, and it's the entire world from beginning to end in one single dream. So in the book of Enoch, it tells us the end from the beginning. He saw and understood everything and wrote his testimony and placed the testimony on earth for all the children of men and for their generations. And in the twelfth jubilee, in the seventh week thereof, he took himself a woman, and her name was Edna, the daughter of Danel, the daughter of his father's brother. In the sixth year, in this week, she bore him a son and called his name Methuselah. And he was moreover with the angels of Elohim these six jubilees of years, and they showed him everything which is on earth and in the heavens, the rule of the sun, he wrote down everything." He testified to the watchers, listen, who had sinned with the daughters of men, for these had begun to unite themselves so as to be defiled with the daughters of men, and Hanok testified against them all. And that's what we're going to begin to read tonight is this testimony against these these, uh, angels who rebelled against the Most High Elohim. And he was taken from amongst the children of men, and we conducted him into the Garden of Eden in majesty and honor. And behold, there he writes down the condemnation and judgment of the world and all the wickedness of the children of men. So Jubilees confirms the book of Enoch is a true account as well. Let's uh, go down a little further. Um, actually, really quick before we go here, I want to show you something that's interesting. The book of Yashar um, also connects to this. Remember, the angels of Yahweh descended on the earth, those who are named the watchers, that they should instruct the children of men and they should do judgment and uprightness in the earth. So they were supposed to be the judges and the instructors of men. Yashar chapter 4, verses 18. And their judges and their rulers went to the daughters of men and took their wives by force from their husbands according to their choice. The sons of men in those days took from the cattle of the earth and the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and taught the mixture of animals. These are chimeras, the same things that are going on right now. Oops, sorry. Uh, the mixture of animals of one species with the other in order therewith to provoke Yahuwah. And Elohim saw the whole earth and it was corrupt for all flesh have corrupted its way on the earth, all men and animals. So they were mixing uh, DNA. They were crossbreeding. Um, the, the angels were crossbreeding with women and creating giants, which we'll read about here shortly. Um, so interesting things here to take a look at for sure. 
Uh, So now let's look at Jubilees chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass when the children of men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the angels of Elohim saw them on a certain year of this jubilee, that they were beautiful to look upon. And they took themselves women of all whom they chose, and they bore unto them the sons, and they were Nephilim. These are the giants. These are the half-breeds, half-angel, half-men. These were the giants, the physical giants upon the earth. So here's another witness confirming the same thing. So now we have, what, four witnesses saying the same thing as what Enoch is saying. And iniquity increased on the earth and all flesh corrupted its way, alike men and cattle and beasts and birds and everything that walks on the earth. All of them corrupted their ways and their orders and they began to devour each other. And iniquity increased on the earth and every imagination of the thoughts of all men was thus evil continually. And Elohim looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted its orders, and all that were upon the earth had wrought all manner of evil before his eyes. And he said that he would destroy man and all flesh upon the face of the earth which he had created. But Noah found grace before the eyes of Yahuwah, and against the angels whom he had sent upon the earth, he was exceedingly wroth. So remember, it says here that the Yahuwah sent them down to instruct, to teach in righteousness. But he was mad at them, right? He gave and he gave commandment to root them out of all their dominion and he bade us to bind them in the depths of the earth and behold they are bound in the midst of them and are kept separate we're going to read about that next week and against their sons went for the commandment from before his face that they should be smitten with the sword and be removed from under heaven so a lot going on there but uh, now we have a, a interesting or we have a we have a firm context on what Genesis uh, 6 1 through 2 again came to pass when the when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of Elohim the angels of Elohim saw that the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wise of all which they chose so some of you may have been instructed that Messiah was saying that angels can't mate with uh, with women according to Matthew 22 we're actually going to go over that in great detail uh, that he actually taught from the book of Enoch uh, in, uh, in that Matthew 22 sermon so uh, that's actually one of the best points one of the most firm points uh, showing that the book of Enoch is true is that Messiah actually taught from Enoch 15 uh, and we'll share that in great detail with you but to stay on topic uh, let's keep going for today so uh, so again so angels coming down uh they're choosing wives from among women verse three and semyaza who was their leader this is the leader of the watchers said unto them i fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed and i alone shall have to pay a penalty of a great sin so they knew what they were doing right they knew exactly what they were doing and they all answered and said let us all swear an oath and bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan but to do this thing. And then they swear all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecation upon it. And they were in all 200, 200 angels who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because there they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. So 200 watchers, 200 watcher class angels. Samyaza is their leader. The name of Samyaza uh, a leader of the fallen angels, one of the sons of Elohim, or watchers who cohabit with women. Semyaza means the name of Aza or Uza. Okay, we're going to talk about that here in a second. And what's interesting about that, once again, the Targums, uh, I didn't mean to close that out, actually confirms this. The Targums, again, is the Aramaic translation. And where are you? Here, stop. Let's just keep going. Sorry. 
So here's chapter 6, and it says, Samyaza and Uziel, who fell from heaven, were on the earth in those days. And also after that, the sons of the great had gone in with the daughters of men. They bear them, and these are they who are called the men who are of the world, the men of names, the men of renown. So Shamyaza is what Shamyaza is what this is saying here. Uh, Uziel, what's interesting here, uh, Samyaza meaning the name of Aza or Uza, right? So kind of interesting. Um, and what's, what's actually going here, Aza, Azaz means strength. So we're going to share here that, you know, a lot of people wonder, is Samyaza, is this the devil? Is this Satan, the original uh, rebel? And I'm here to say no. Uh, I think here he's actually honoring uh, uh Satan. I, I believe Satan's true name was Azazel, and we'll go into that uh, in great detail uh, next week. Uh, we'll kind of touch on that this week. Uh, I believe what, what Samyaza means, basically the name of Aza, or the name of Azazel, if you will, uh, just like um, the prophet Samuel, right? Was honoring Elohim, was honoring Elohim with his name, the name Shem Uel, the name of El, the name of El, the name of God, if you will. So Semyaza, the name of Aza. So he was named himself after, I believe, the great uh, great rebel, which is Azazel. And we'll talk about that shortly. I think there was actually quite a few na angels named Azazel, but the original rebel, I believe, is Azazel. And I'll, I'll show you that uh, uh, proof with you here shortly. Um, so let's take a look here. So the next house of Enoch 86 will show you here that there's two separate falls. This is Enoch 86. This is actually that dream vision I was telling you about where it tells the whole story of the world. Um, and here you'll see that there's two falls. And again, I saw with my eyes, I slipped and I saw the heaven above and behold, a star fell from heaven and it arose and ate and pastured amongst those oxen. The oxen were men. Uh, so here we have this single star falling. Um, and then here later, and again, I saw in a vision and looked towards the heaven and behold, I saw many stars descend and cast themselves down from heaven to that first star. And they became bulls amongst those cattle and pastured with them amongst them. So, uh, yeah, anyways, so, uh, we'll talk more about that when it's time, but just to show you that there's two separate falls and you'll see here, uh, Samyaza didn't go without these other angels he went with him so there was an original star that fell take a look at enoch 40 verse 7 it says um, verse 7 and i heard the fourth voice this is the the four archangels fourth voice fending off the satans and forbidding them to come before yahweh to accuse them who dwell in the earth so there are many satans i believe there's only one original devil uh, but there are many Satans. I know this might get confusing, but we're trying to actually clear that up. <laughs> so I hope I don't make it more confusing. I hope to clear this up. Uh, who's who? Um, and why is this important? Well, you know, in the book of Enoch, uh, Enoch is is very curious about a matter. And, and the angel, I think Michael, is like, uh, Enoch, why are you curious about this? And, you know, why, why do you ask all these questions? And Enoch's like, well, I want to know about everything. And quite frankly, when it comes to the scriptures, that's just where I'm at. I want to know about everything. I want to know who's who and what's what. And quite frankly, uh, you know, knowing who the enemy is, sometimes I believe is important. Obviously, it's more important to know the Most High and know him through his son and through keeping his commandments. However, um, I think it's interesting to know who the enemy is. 
All right, so let's talk about Satan. So we saw, we read that passage where Satan fell, that star fell. Luke 10, 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Let me ask you a question. Let's take a look at this. Enoch 46. Also another phenomenon I saw in regard to the lightnings, how some of the stars arise, arise up, and become lightnings and cannot part with their new form. So stars will depart from their shining, become lightning, and they can't go back to being a star again. That's a pretty deep study, especially when you uh, research truly who all the stars are. It's not just the angels. But nevertheless, let me ask you a question. If some, if, there, if, if someone was writing about looking up in the sky and seeing something like lightning coming down, what would that be? What's the closest thing to that? What's the only other thing in the sky that streaks down like lightning? I guess what you'd be called a falling star, wouldn't it? Maybe it really is a falling star. Maybe it really is a fallen star. We're going to get deeper into that when we get into Enoch 43. If you're interested about that now and the identity of the stars, research a video that we put out a couple years ago called Enoch 43, Identity of the Stars in Heaven. All right. Uh, and of course, Revelation 12, 9, that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. All right. Let's go to... First Adam and Eve, chapter 6, verse 7. But the wicked Satan, who continued not in his first estate, nor kept his faith, and whom was no good intent towards me, and who thought I had created, and, and who, though I created him, yet set me at naught, and sought the Godhead, so that I hurled him down from heaven. He it is who made the tree appear pleasant in your eyes until you ate of it by hearkening to him. So, the Samyaza and the 200 Watcher Angels, they fell of their own accord. Satan was literally thrown out. And that's going to be for another time. We're going to take a look at Jubilees 10. And we're going to see that there is a ruling Satan. So Satan has his... Um, Satan has his um, uh, rank and order and structure. Just like the Most High has his. And just like he ordained it here on earth according to Torah, that there was to be a, a, a structure, order. Chapter 10 of Jubilees. And in the third week of this Jubilee, the unclean devils began to lead astray the children of the sons of Noah and to make to err and to destroy them. We're going to find out where these devils came from, actually in this uh, uh, this week or next week. Either way, we're going to talk a lot about, we're going to be talking a lot about fallen angels, uh, demons, um, watchers, giants uh, here in the next few weeks. And the sons of Noah came to Noah, their father, and they told him concerning the devils which were leading astray and blinding and slaying his son's sons. And he prayed before Yahweh Eloheinu and said, Elohim of the Ruach of all flesh, who has shown mercy unto me and has saved me and my sons from the waters of the flood and has not caused me to perish as you did the sons of perdition. For your grace has been great towards me and great has been your mercy to my soul. Let your grace be lifted up upon my sons, and let not wicked Ruachot rule over them, lest they should destroy them from the earth. Ruachot is spirits. But do you bless me and my sons, that we may increase and multiply and replenish the earth? And you know how your watchers, the father of these Ruachot, acted in my day. So we're going to find out here a little bit later on Enoch, I don't think actually this week, but maybe next week, that 
these giants that were born from the angels mating with women created these giants and when the the spirits of these or when these giants died their spirits had no resting place because there was nothing created for them there was nowhere for them to go so they were they were condemned to wander the earth and this is their job and you how your watchers the angels the fathers of these ruachot these spirits acted in my day and as for these ruachot these spirits which are living imprison them so noah's petitioning the most high come on jail them imprison them and hold them fast in the place of condemnation and let them not bring destruction on the sons of your servant my elohim for these are malignant and created in order to destroy kill steal and destroy right and let them not rule over the ruachot of the living, for you alone can exercise dominion over them. And let them not have power over the sons of the righteous from henceforth and forevermore. And Yahweh Eloheinu bade us to bind all. The us in this book, Jubilees, is the angels. Right? So Yahweh commanded the angels. So this is like in the, in the court of heaven. You know, Noah's petitioning like, please, you know, uh, take them all away. And Yahweh's like, all right, take them all away. But then the prosecutor comes, right? And the chief of the ruachot Mastema, Satan has many names, the devil, Satan, the serpent, the dragon, Azazel, Belial, Beliar, uh, Sam, uh, no, not Samyaz, um, Samael. And the chief of the Ruachot, Mastema, came and said, Yahuwah, creator, let some of them remain before me. And let them hearken to my voice and do all that I shall say unto them. For if some of them are not left to me, I shall not be able to execute the power of my will on the sons of men. For these are for corruption and leading astray before my judgment. For great is the wickedness of the sons of men. So this is like a, like a, this is like a, a court is in session and the, the defend you know, and um, the defendant, you know, Noah is making his case. And then the prosecutor comes and makes his case. So then this is Yahuwah. He said, Yahuwah said, let the 10th part of them remain before him and let nine parts descend into the place of condemnation and let, and one of us, he commanded that we should teach Noah all their medicines for he knew that they would not walk in uprightness nor strive in righteousness. So the most high decreed 90% of them to be tossed into, into condemnation, but 10% of them were to remain on earth so that basically Satan could do what his job was to do. Enoch 55 uh, three through four. And when I have desired to take hold of them by the hand of the angels on the day of tribulation and pain because of this, I will cause my chastisement and my wrath to abide upon them, saith Elohim, Yahweh Sebaot. You mighty kings who dwell on the earth, you shall have to behold mine elect one, Messiah, how he sits on the throne of glory and judges Azazel and all his associates and all his hosts in the name of Yahweh Sebaot. So what's going on here? What scene is this? Well, this, of course, is none other than Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I do believe that Azazel is the devil, and I'll give you more uh, proof of that. This is really going into next week, so I don't want to get too far into it, but this is Enoch chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 6 through 7. You see what Azazel has done, who has taught all unrighteousness on the earth and revealed the eternal secrets which were preserved in heaven, which men were striving to learn, and Samyaza, so a different character, to whom you have given authority to bear rule over his associates. So, uh, of course, you got rank and structure, so I believe it's uh, number one and number two. I believe Azazel is number one, and I believe Samyaza is the number two guy uh, in this rebellion. Just kind of my thoughts uh enoch 69 or 67 or 69 uh has a couple other leaders in there gadriel um 
Panemue, I think, uh, and a few others. But we'll talk about that when it gets close to it. So the point is, I uh, just wanted to separate to kind of say who's who and what's what here. And, um, of course, next week in Chapter 10, we're going to talk about... Um, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, take away from next week's study, but in chapter ten we see the origin of the Day of Atonement. Uh, we see that all sin is ascribed unto Azazel. Well, in Leviticus sixteen, uh, during the Day of Atonement uh, ceremony ritual, if you will, um, there's two goats. Uh, one goat is sacrificed. The other goat, uh, all the sins are placed on the head. Uh, the KJV translates as scapegoat, but the Hebrew word is Azazel. All the sins are placed on the head of Azazel and sent into the desert, into the wilderness, which we'll see is the judgment that was given to uh, Azazel to basically to, to be uh, imprisoned in the, the desert. Um, so nevertheless, um, I guess the, point, the overall point is um, these watchers, uh, Samyaza, I don't believe is the devil, but I believe is one of his high-ranking officers uh, in the devil's army, order, structure, rank, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, long rabbit trail there, but I think uh, interesting nonetheless to know what's actually going on here uh, with this. So, we find out that they, the Samyaza, their leader, um, he's like, that he knows, I fear you will not agree to do this deed. And I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. So, they knew that they were sinning, but they did it anyways. Why? We'll read a little bit of Enoch 13. We're going to read one through five. And Enoch went and said to Azazel, You shall have no peace. A severe sentence has gone forth against you to put you in bonds, and you shall not have toleration nor request granted to you because of the unrighteousness which you have taught. So they they sinned, but then right after they sinned, they asked for forgiveness. Why would they do that? Well, you know, because the Most High is merciful. But for some reason, he didn't give that mercy to these angels. And we'll talk about that. Because of the unrighteousness which you have taught, and because of all the works of godlessness and unrighteousness and sin which you have shown to men, then I went and spoke to all to them all together, and they were afraid, and fear and trembling seized them, and they besought me to draw up a petition for them that they might find forgiveness, and to read their petition in the presence of Yahuwah of heaven. For from thenceforward they could not speak with him, nor lift their eyes to heaven for shame of their sins which they have been condemned. Anyone of us have ever been in that in that state where you know that you were in sin and you were guilty and you just you couldn't even like pray to him because you're like, I can't even pray because I'm just so I'm so guilty for what I've done. I'm here to say, Praise be to Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, for sending his son, Messiah Yahusha, who died for us while we were yet sinners. But for some reason, this forgiveness was not extended to these angels. Jude 1.6 And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. We're going to learn more about this next week when this in chapter 10 when the sentence was given to do this. But we can see Jude literally knows the book of Enoch. 2 Peter 2, 4, For if Elohim spared not the angels that sinned, that's what we're talking about here. The book of Enoch is true. The apostles taught from it. But cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now why? Why didn't he give them forgiveness? 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. 
For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Master and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach, they were again entangled therein and overcome, their latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow, the pig, that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So the pig that's washed goes right back to jumping in the dirt and getting all messy. These angels knew better. They knew eternal life. They knew everything. Not everything, but they knew they knew what was at stake. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 18. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. You'll see that the king of Tyrus, this is just a, a cover, a front. This is talking about the devil, Azazel. And saying to him, Thus says Yahweh You seal us up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in the Eden, in Eden, the Garden of Elohim. We know the king of Tyrus was not in the Garden of Eden. Right? But what, what happens? Why would it be the king of Tyrus? We learn that Satan enters into people. Remember Judas? It said, And then Satan entered into Judas. Is it possible that Satan entered into the king of Tyrus? And therefore the scriptures used him as a parable, if you will. You have been in the Eden, in the Eden, the Garden of Elohim. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanship of your tablets and your pipes was prepared in you the day that you were created. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so. You were upon the holy mountain of Elohim. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity iniquity was found in you. How awful. Can you imagine? You know what it's like when somebody turns their back on you? Someone that you love, that you cherish, and they just stab you in the back. I, th I think Satan did that ultimate stab in the back to the Most High. It says he was perfect, right? He was the anointed cherub. It said he was perfect. And he turned his back on Elohim. You know, it's impossible to put yourself in our father's shoes. But I think a lot of us know what that feels like. Can you imagine what it feels like for him? To have Satan rebel against him and lead this rebellion in heaven against him? And then teach that down here on earth for Yahweh's creation. And that's what these angels have done. These are the lawless ones. These are the original rebels. And guess what? Here on earth, they're having their way. Rebellion is mainstream. Anything that Yah loves, they're turning upside down. The order in the home What's good has become evil. The Torah, people spit on the Torah. Even people that claim to be his. Genders. The marriage. Pop culture has turned everything upside down. And you know who's to blame? These people. These entities. The same people that turn their back on him. Are teaching people to turn their backs on him. It's the same story.
You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity, lawlessness, was found in you. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence. Right? This is the same merchandise that Mystery Babylon still sells. And you have sinned. Therefore, I cast you as profane out of the mountain of Elohim. He was cast out. And I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, your lawlessness, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from upon the midst of you. It shall devour you, and I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. And anybody he takes with him, then he shall say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Satan knows where he's going. He wants to take as many with him as he can. And he's going to have a lot of company, unfortunately. But not you. Wake up, Israel. Return to our Heavenly Father. Return to his ways. If you missed part one, go back. You want to know why? Because the same thing is at stake for us. Hebrews 6, 4 through 8. It's not a game. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of Elohim and the powers of the world to come, if they should fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of Elohim afresh and put him to an open shame for the earth which drinks in the rain and comes upon it oft and brings forth herb meat for them whom it is desired receives the blessing of Elohim. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. What is this referencing? Psalm 1. But that which bears, this is a plant that bears thorns and briars. This is a, a fruitless plant. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law, the Hebrew word is Torah, of Yahuwah. And in his law does he meditate day and night. The person that does this, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Hebrews 10.26 For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, no more forgiveness. These angels knew what they were doing, and they said, Ah, he's merciful, he'll forgive us, let us just go do what we want to do. And he cut them off. There's, there's, a, there's a, a burden of proof, if you will, for understanding the truth. Once you understand it, you're like, ah, he'll just forgive me tomorrow. Careful. Be careful, lest we follow after the same example of these angels. I'm going to read you a little interesting passage here from the book of Adam and Eve, chapter 13. First Adam and Eve, chapter 13. 
Then when Elohim, who is merciful and full of pity, right? Here's Adam's voice. He said unto him, O Adam, so long as the good angel was obedient to me, Azazel, Satan, a bright light rested on him and on his hosts. But when he transgressed my commandment, I deprived him of that bright nature, and he became dark. And when he was in the heavens and the realms of light, he knew not of darkness. But he transgressed, and I made him fall from heaven upon the earth. And it was this darkness that came upon him. And on you, O Adam, while in my garden and obedient to me, did that bright light rest also. But when I heard of your transgression, I deprived you of that bright light. Yet of my mercy, I did not turn you into darkness. Right? So he had mercy on us, but not mercy on the ones that knew better, that knew that knew uh, everlasting life. But I made you your body of flesh over which I spread the skin in order that it may bear cold and heat. If I had let my wrath fall heavily upon you, I should have destroyed you. And had I turned you into darkness, it would have been as if I killed you. But in my mercy, I have made you as you are. When you did transgress my commandment, O Adam, I drove you from the garden and made you come forth into this land and commanded you to dwell in this cave. And darkness came upon you as it did upon him who transgressed my commandment. Oh, let's see. Let's skip down here. For I knew that you should sin and transgress. So he knows the end from the beginning. And come out into this land. Yet I would not force you, nor be heard upon you, nor shut up, nor doom you through your fall. No, through your coming out from light into darkness, nor yet through your coining from coming from the garden into this land. For I made you of the light, and I willed to bring out children of light from you and like unto you. But you did not keep my commandment one. Not, I'm sorry, but you did not keep one day my commandment until I had finished the creation and blessed everything in it. Then I commanded you concerning the tree that you eat not thereof. Yet I knew that Satan, who deceived himself, would also deceive you. So I made known to you by means of the tree not to come near him. And I told you not to eat of the fruit thereof, nor to taste of it, nor yet to sit under it, nor to yield to it. Had I not been and spoken to you, Adam, concerning the tree, and had I left you without a commandment, and you had sinned, it would have been an offense on my part for not have having given you any, any order. You would turn around and blame me for it. But I commanded you and warned you, and you did fall so that my creatures cannot blame me, but the blame rests on them alone. We're going to read Enoch 15, 1-6. I don't want to steal too much from future weeks, but this is really kind of important to know what's going on here. Uh, Enoch 15, And he answered and said to me, I have heard his voice. And I heard his voice. This is the Most High. Fear not, Enoch, you righteous man and scribe of righteousness. Approach here and hear my voice. And go say to the watchers of heaven who have sent you to intercede for them. Right? So they're asking for forgiveness. You should intercede for men and not men for you. Wherefore have you left the high, holy, and eternal heaven and lain with women and defied yourselves with the daughters of men and taken to yourselves wives and done like the children of earth and begotten giants as your sons. We'll talk a little bit more about this tonight too. And though you were holy, spiritual, living the eternal life so they knew better you have defiled yourselves with the blood of women and have begotten children with the blood of flesh and as the children of men have lusted after flesh and blood as those also who do die and perish so this is what's going on here right this is why they knew better but they did it anyways because they felt he was just merciful and he'd forgive them let us have the same kind of fear and reverence for the Most High. Not the same. Let's have better fear and reverence for the Most High than what the angels did. 
Sirach 34.19, The Most High is not pleased with the offerings of the ungodly, and he is not propitiated for sins by a multitude of sacrifices. Right? We can't just say like, Ah, he'll just forgive me tomorrow. You know, I know a lot of men that struggle with lustful thoughts, and it's just like, they just give in and be like, Ah, he'll just forgive me. Careful. It's time. It's time to wake up. It's time to clean up house of Israel. Sirach 5, 2 through 7, do not follow your inclination and strength, which is funny. Uh, Azazel, Azaz means strength. Do not follow your inclination and Azaz, walking according to the desires of your heart. Do not say, who will have power over me? For Yahweh will surely punish you. Do not say, I have sinned and what happened to me? For Yahweh is slow to anger. Do not be so confident of atonement that you add sin to sin. Do not say, his mercy is great. He will forgive the multitude of my sins. That's exa- I believe this is right here. I believe this captures what the angels were actually thinking. Do not say, his mercy is great. He will forgive the multitude of my sins. For both mercy and wrath are with him, and his anger rests on sinners. Do not delay to turn to Yahuwah. Do not, nor postpone it from day to day. For suddenly the wrath of Yahuwah will go forth, and at that time the punishment of punishment you will perish. Sirach 7.9, do not say, he will consider the multitude of my gifts, and when I make an offering to the Most High, he will accept it. Don't think like that. And by the way, if you're new, the book of Sirach is also called Ecclesiasticus. It was included in the 1611 KJV under the Apocrypha section. So let's finish out chapter 6. Let's learn the names. We know that Simyaza, the name of Azaz, or name of Azazel, uh, was the leader of the, the 200 watchers. And these are the names of their leaders, Semyazaz, or Semyaza, their leader, Arakiba, Ramael, Kokabiel, Tamiel, Ramiel, Danel, Ezekiel, Barakihal, Asael, Armaros, Batarel, Ananel, Zakiel, Samsapiel, Satarel, Turel, Yomyael, Sariel. These are their chiefs of tens. Those are your original rebels. All right. So chapter 7. And all the others together with them, so this the 200, took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. And they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. And they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants and they who became pregnant, and they bare great giants, whose height was 3,000 L's, who consumed, they ate all the acquisitions of men, or not just eating, but all the resources. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. They were hungry. And you know what it's like when you're hungry, right? Imagine these giants. So if they're 300 times larger than us, well, their appetite is 300 times larger and the creation wasn't made to sustain those giants. So they started eating people. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and, and drink the blood. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. Right? The man of lawlessness. What do you, you know? Hello. So, yes, giants. Real giants. Uh, most, you know, nor, uh, modern day theology would say this is ridiculous uh, and that the giants are just a figure of speech um, you know just say here the R.H. Charles says 3,000 L's the Sephir says 300 cubits 
Uh, and if we take uh, 300 cubits, we get roughly 442 feet. What does that look like? Uh, right, here's a 30-foot house. Here's a this pagan building here. Um, you've seen those big turbines, right? They're big. Big. What else we got here? Uh, all these pagan... You know what's interesting? All these tall buildings reaching up to the heaven, it's like they're almost always pagan... Uh, pagan symbology but that's probably roughly how big they were maybe we'll assess this to 400 so a little bit taller so maybe up here that's big right and so we're like here humongous there's evidence brothers and sisters there's evidence of these giants all over the place and you know what they've been hiding it from you they have been hiding it from you Here's evidence of giants in your Bible. The 66 book that most people are comfortable with. Numbers 13, 32 through 33. And they brought up, this is when Moses sends the 12 spies into the land of Canaan to spy it out. And they brought up an evil reporting in the, uh, of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. The giants turned against them and devoured mankind eats up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw there are men of great stature great height and there we saw the giants the sons of Anak which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so where we were so if you look at the size comparison of like a grasshopper to a human being maybe that starts to make a little sense Amos 2, 9 through 10, yet I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars. Okay, so up to 130 feet tall. So one thing we find is that the giants got shorter and shorter over the years. Why? Because the only, the, 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 the peak of their height was mixing angel with woman. But they didn't keep mating after that because they were restrained from doing so. So these giants had to mate with women. And so like that that purity of the angel DNA kept you know, getting smaller and smaller. So they got shorter and shorter over time. But even in Moses' day, right, between 40, 80 feet, 130 feet, 70 feet, it's still humongous, right? Oh, I'm sorry, where were we? Yet I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. Also, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. For Samuel 17, 3-4, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span how tall is actually a span? I don't know. But let's just say six cubits. That's what, nine feet, right? That's still a giant. What, so maybe it's 6.5. So maybe closer to nine and a half, ten feet. I don't know how long a span is. Um, maybe I should look it up. But either way, the point is, these are not normal human beings. Deuteronomy 3.11, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the uh, remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabat of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. So his bed 
was nine, oops, not zero, nine cubits. 13 feet was his bed. And let's just be honest, he doesn't need a 13 foot bed if he's a normal uh, six foot man. What's normal? We'll, we'll call it 510. I don't know, whatever. Either way, First Chronicles 11.23, and he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. All right, so now, all right, so what's five cubits high? Seven, okay, all right, maybe you can make a case for a seven-foot-tall man. Okay, right? There's more, but just to give you an idea, the giants are in your Bibles. It just modern-day man-made doctrine will tell you otherwise to steer you away from it. Uh, I'll try to leave these. I'm going to actually leave my notes um, so you guys can look this up for yourself. But you can just do your own research. There's proof of giants. These are all skeletons that were found. Here's the skeleton of a normal six-foot man. Okay, I guess we'll use six-foot as the base. And these are some of the skeletons that were found. These are not normal people. Where do the skeletons go? The 300-foot tall ones? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But they're all over the place. These are actual skeletons that were found. They're all over the place. Footprints that big. What are we actually talking about here? <clears throat> uh, further study. You want to take a look at um, this uh, right here. I got a link for it in my notes, but defending the book of Enoch and explaining the pre and post flood Nephilim, which are the giants, right? Rob Skiba. Rob Skiba is a great source for this information. Um, also, uh, Steve Quayle, Timothy Amber, uh, Alberino. Um, I don't align with a lot of their theological doctrine, but when it comes, if you want to look up giants and Nephilim, uh, these are great sources, three great sources. Rob Skiba, our really recently departed great brother, uh, Steve Quayle, Timothy Alberino, if you want to search out um, um, giants. Rob Skiba aligned with his doctrine, um, instrumental in, in my walk and waking up. Very thankful to the Most High for men like Rob Skiba, who, uh, who are paved the way for a lot of us in uh, learning truth in these last days. So, literal giants walk this earth. And uh, we learned earlier through Jubilees, and we'll learn uh, in the future, uh, in future studies in Enoch, that the departed spirits of these giants are the same devils. Not the devil, but devils, the satans, the, these unclean spirits, these wicked spirits, demons, if you will, um, came from the departed, um, the departed spirits from these giants. Right, That's where they come from. So just as uh, they wanted to eat up men physically back then, well, they want to swallow up men now. All right, chapter 8 of Enoch. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. And there arose much godlessness and they committed fornication and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. Semyaza taught enchantments and root cuttings, Armaros, the resolving of enchantments, Barakihal taught astrology, Kokobel, the constellations, Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds, Arakihel, the signs of the earth, Shamsiel, the signs of the sun, Sariel, the course of the moon. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up into heaven. So here's an interesting crossroads. You know, a lot of people will attack certain things because of this chapter. They'll say everything they taught was all in righteousness. We have to stay away from all of it. Well, 
you know, let's 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 break this down for a second. You know, the first thing, Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates. Are is a sword inherently evil? No, but you get yeah, you can use it for evil. Could you also use it for good? Could you use it for defending one's family? Sure. You know, it's just like right now in the current day and age, the internet. Can the internet be used for extreme evil? Yes. Horrifying evil. Especially if you like consider the dark web and stuff. That's some evil stuff. Can the internet be used for good? Sure it can. Is the most high using that as a vehicle to share people, to get people to the truth back to him? Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's doing that right now. He's done it through us. He's doing it through us right now. There's a, a movement happening, and it's happening on the internet. It's all in how you use it. Same thing with the sword, knives, the shields, the breastplates. What about the armor of Elohim, the sword, the shield, right? The shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, which is the word. What about David? He, he picked up the sword. He had a shield. What about Abraham? The sword. It can be used for righteousness. Made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them. Does that mean we can't touch metal and we can't work them? Exodus 31, 1 through 9, And Yahweh spake to Moshe, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalil, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son of the tribe of Yehudah, and I have filled him with the spirit of Elohim and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship, to devise cunning works to work in gold and silver and brass. So is it is it evil to work metal? Of course not. And in cutting of stones to set them, and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given him with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that were wise-hearted, I have put wisdom, that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of the congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is thereupon, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, and the table and his furniture, and the pure candlestick with all his furniture, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burning burnt offering with all his furniture and the labor of his foot. So these things were, they had to work these metals to to do these things, to make the altar, to make the ark, uh, to make the tabernacle. Um, so it's not inherently evil to know the metals of the earth and to work them. If you use them for unrighteousness, sure, absolutely. And bracelets and ornaments. So a lot of people will condemn jewelry and say, jewelry is a sin, it's from the fallen angels. Don't use jewelry. If you do, you're sinning. Don't wear a wedding ring, wedding ring, or else, you know. Ezekiel sixteen one through seven. Symbolically, the Most High adorned His people with jewels. Again, the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, "Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus says Yahweh Elohim unto Jerusalem: Thy birth and thy nativity is the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. And as for your nativity," In the day that you were born, your navel was not cut, neither were you salted in water to supple you. You were not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied you to do any of these unto you, to have compassion on you. But you were cast out into the open field, the loathing of your person, in the day that you were born. And when I passed by you, I saw you polluted in your own blood. And I said unto you when you were in your blood, live. Yea, I said unto you when you were in your blood, live. I have caused you to multiply as the bud of the field, and you have increased in waxing great, and you are come to excellent ornaments. 
Your breasts are fashioned and your hair is grown, whereas you were naked and bare. Now when I passed by you and I looked upon you, behold, your time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. Yea, I swear unto you and entered into a covenant with you, saith Yahweh Elohim, and you became mine. Then I washed you with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away your blood from you, and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with broidered work, and shod you with badger skin. I girded you about with fine linen, and covered you with silk. I decked you also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon your hands, and a chain on your neck. And I put a jewel on your forehead, and earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown upon your head. You were decked with gold and silver, and raiment was fine linen and silk, embroidered work, and you did eat fine flour and honey and oil, and you were exceeding beautiful, and you did prosper in your kingdom. So, is jewelry a bad thing? No. Can it lead somebody astray through the love of those things? Yes, it can. We saw the same thing happen with Satan. He was covered with jewels and precious gold and, and, and carbuncles and, and stones, and he was... One of the highest of, of his creation. And it said he was perfect. But he got puffed up in pride about it. And got lifted up. And he fell. Same thing happened to Jerusalem. And your renown went forth among the heathen for your beauty. For it was perfect, just like Satan, through, your com through my comeliness, which I have put on you, says Yahuwah. Same thing with Satan. He put his comeliness on him. But you did trust in your own beauty. Just like Satan and played the harlot because of thy renown, and poured out thy fornications on everyone that passed by, his it was. So they started fornicating spiritually, started serving other Elohim. Now thy garments you did take, and decked your high places with diverse colors, and played the harlot thereupon, like the things shall not come, neither shall it so be. And you have taken also your fair jewels of my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and made to thyself graven images of men, and did commit whoredom with them rebellion this has always been about rebellion first peter three through four so am i saying hey ladies go get decked out with jewelry and, and and go back to your old ways of you know having you know this dazzling jewelry all over the place that's not what i'm saying here what i'm saying is we need to define what's wrong what's right and what's wrong and i'm saying it's not wrong to have jewelry i'm saying it's wrong to be that your identity is your jewelry or your or you have a love for this jewelry or um, it becomes who you are or your persona or it leads you astray. Peter says, oops, Peter says, don't even worry about it. It's talking about women who's adoring. Let it not be that outward of adorning of the plating of the hair and of the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, right? He's talking about the beauty. But let it be, let your beauty be the hidden man of the heart or hidden woman of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of Elohim a great price. He's, so, he's saying what's really important here. Really what's not important is not your outward beauty. It's your inward beauty. Isaiah 49, 18, Lift up your eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to you. As I live, says Yahuwah, you shall surely clothe you with them all as with an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. So, is it a sin to wear jewelry? Of course not. And the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids. Makeup. Some people will attack makeup. Personally, I don't like makeup. Uh, 2 Kings 9.30, and when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezreel heard of it, or Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her hair and looked out a window. So the only examples we get of makeup is are not really good. Uh, I think I put the wrong verse there. 
Jeremiah 4.30, And when you are spoiled, what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, though you deck yourself with ornaments of gold, and though you rent your face with painting, with makeup, in vain shall you make yourself fair. Your lovers will despise you, and they will seek your life. So the book of Jeremiah recognizes that makeup does make a woman's appearance more fair. So um, is it a sin to wear makeup? No. Can it lead you astray? Sure, I think it can, especially the love of it and reliance on it. I find that there's much more beauty in letting yourself go with how Yahweh made you and no needing to alter it, but it's just me. Just your brother. So they tell him the makeup, all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures, right? And there arose much godlessness and they committed fornication. So these things led them astray because the corrupt uh, and became corrupt in all our ways. Some Yaza taught enchantments and root cutting. So a lot of people will say like, ah, you can't do like CBD oil because it's like, you know, the teachings of the watchers and the root cuttings and, and, and making uh, potions or not potions, making like oils out of them. Um, Sirach 38.4, Yahweh created medicines from the earth and a sensible man will not despise them. However, we also know that good things can be used for evil. We know that witchcraft, they use essential oils and uh, root cuttings and stuff for their stuff. Why? Because there's something, of, there's something of value and use to them, but they want to use what's good for evil. Well, we can use what's good for good. Automotos, sorry. So you have some Yaza taught enchantments. Uh, enchantments is a total no-go. Deuteronomy 18.10, there shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch. So enchantments is a total no-go. So some of this stuff they taught is a total no-go. Armaros, the resolving of enchantments. Barakihal, astrology. Now, there is a major difference between astronomy and astrology. Yahuwah, um, you know, let's just go here. Matthew 2, 1 through, uh, 1 through 2. Now, when Yahushua was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So, uh, are they exceeding sinners here that figured out the birth of the Messiah through astronomy? No. Astrology is totally different. Astrology puts the focus on self and like, what's my day going to be? What's my destiny going to be like because of the stars? Um, is there something to it? Probably. And that's why the Most High says to stay away from it, right? Um, however, astronomy, uh, the patriarchs were very, very acquainted with biblical astronomy. It's, a, it's actually a really, it's a lost thing in our days today. Uh, let's see. Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds. I mean, is that wrong? I think, you know, the knowledge of the clouds is, I think, is how they understand weather and how they can have weather apps uh, and things like that. I think they can predict and, and things like that based off of right here, the knowledge of the clouds. Is that evil? I don't know. I hope not. I still look at my weather app once in a while. Arakiel, the signs of the earth. Shamsiel, the signs of the sun. The knowledge of the sun isn't inherently evil. Genesis 1.14, And Elohim said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days in the year. So the Most High decreed that the sun and the moon would be for signs, right? And for seasons and for days and years. And so obviously we need to know what's going on. I think what's actually going on here is 
they were uh, they were just basically unloaded all this knowledge at one time where I think the Most High maybe intended uh, things to be learned over time and kind of like the natural course of things. However, uh, it, it's very much like what we see in the last, what, 200 years, 220 years uh, from, what, the 1800s, mid-1800s till now? I mean, because from, you know, from at least time as we know it, the horse was the, the fastest mode of transportation until, boom, out of nowhere, right? The, the train. And then, you know, a couple a couple, uh, couple decades later, the, the car. And then the airplane. Boom, 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 boom. It's fast. You see how everything just, it's like up into the mid-1800s, and then, boom, everything is a race to get to where we are now with technology. Did men just get just smart all of a sudden or did the angels come back and start teaching these things again i think we'll find out that the latter is the case i believe the angels have come back and are bringing about the end times and there a lot of that has to do with technology one of the things was the internet however the internet the most high can use something for good right they can also be used for bad and of course the knowledge of the moon same thing let's take a look at uh, enoch 41 and after that, I saw all the secrets of the heavens. So um, uh, Enoch was shown all these secrets too. And after that, I saw all the secrets of the heavens and how the kingdom is divided and how the actions of men are weighed in the balance. And there I saw the mansions of the elect and the mansions of the holy. And mine eye saw there all the sinners being driven from thence, which deny the name of Yahweh Sebaot and being dragged off. And they could not abide because of the punishment which proceeds from Yahweh Sebaot. And there my eyes saw the secrets of lightning and of the thunder, the secrets of the wind and how they are divided to blow over the earth. All right, so this is the, the knowledge of the weather, basically. And the secrets of the clouds and dew and there I saw from whence they proceed in that place, and from whence they saturate the dusty earth. And there I saw the closed chambers out of which the winds are divided, the chamber of the hail and the winds, the chamber of the mist, and of the clouds, and the cloud thereof hovers over the earth from the beginning of the world. So it's like the person that has the knowledge has the power. And so when evil men have the knowledge, they have the power. So, you know, uh, maybe I shouldn't be looking at the weather app. I don't know. Is that a sin? I don't, I don't think so. But I'm just saying, like, same thing with, like, the knowledge of the sun and the moon. Well, evil companies like NASA have the knowledge of the sun and the moon, and everybody looks to them as these, you know, as a place for wisdom, like, because they know how the sun operates. So that's how they know exactly when a, when a, um, a solar eclipse is going to come, right? They know exactly when a lunar eclipse is coming, not because they're geniuses, but just they have the, they have the keys, they know exactly how it operates. They know the exact revolutions because everything is a perfect time clock up there and everything repeats. It's a pattern. It's, it's math. It's a mathematical equation up there. And they have all of it. They have all, they've had all of this for 5,500 5, years. But they can use it for evil. But they have been using it for evil. And I saw the chambers of the sun and the moon whence they proceed and whither they come again and their glorious return and how one is superior to the other and their stately orbit and how they do not leave their orbit and they add nothing to their orbit and take nothing from it. And they keep faith with each other in accordance with which the oath which they are bound together. And the first, the sun goes forth and traverses his path according to the commandment of Yahweh Sebaot and mighty is his name forever and ever. And after that, I saw the hidden and visible path of the moon, and she accomplishes the course of her path in that place by day and by night, the one holding a position opposite to the other before Yahweh Sebaot. And they give thanks, so the sun and the moon give thanks and praise and rest not, for unto them is their thanksgiving rest. 
and the sun changes off for a blessing or, or for a curse. And the course of the path of the moon is light to the righteous and darkness to the sinners in the name of Yahweh Sabaoth. So a lot of people will uh, poke fun at the calendar we follow because we use the moon for the months. And they'll say that's like moon worship. Uh, but it's interesting that you know Enoch kind of busts that wide open. It's just same as Genesis 1.14 says uh, in a plural sense, the sun and the moon are both made for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So the course of the path of the moon is light to the righteous and darkness to the sinners in the name of Yahweh who made a separation between light and darkness and divided the spirits of men and strengthened the spirits of the righteous in his in the name of his righteousness for no angel hinders and no power is able to hinder for he appoints a judge for them all and he judges them all from before him and as men perished they cried and their cry went up into heaven uh, let's just read let's read 9 and we're going to finish up today and we're going to start fresh with 10 next week and then Michael, Uriel, Raphael and Gabriel, these are the four right, the four presences looked down from heaven and saw much blood being shed upon the earth and all lawlessness being wrought upon the earth and they said one to another the earth made without inhabitant cries the voice of their crying up to the gates of heaven and now to you the holy ones of heaven the souls of men make their suit, saying, Bring our cause before the Most High. And they said to Yahuwah of the ages, Yahuwah, the master of masters, the Elohim of Elohim, king of kings, and the Elohim of ages, the throne of your glory stands unto all the generation of the ages, and your name, holy and glorious and blessed unto all the ages. You have made all things, and power over all things have you. And all things are naked and open in your sight. You see all things, and nothing can hide itself from you. You see what Azazel has done. This is Satan, the devil, who has taught all unrighteousness on the earth and revealed the eternal secrets which were preserved in heaven, which men were striving to learn. And Semyaza, to whom you have given authority to bear rule over his associates, and they have gone to the daughters of men and upon the earth, and have slept with the women, and have defiled themselves, and revealed to them all kinds of sins. And the women have borne giants, and the whole earth has thereby been filled with blood and unrighteousness. And now, behold, the souls of those who have died are crying and making their suit to the gates of heaven, and their lamentations have ascended, and cannot cease because of the lawless deeds which are wrought on the earth. And you know all things before they come to pass, and you see these things, and do suffer them, and you do not say to us what we are to do to them in regard to these. So now this is the angels. This is the righteous angels making a petition to the Most High saying, this is what's going on here. You have not told us what to do. And then we'll find out next week the judgment that's cast upon the devil and then the, the judgment that's cast upon Samyaza and his associates. Two different judgments. And we'll see that separation there. So again, uh, that's why I do believe you've got the devil with his fall, and then Semyaza, who I believe named himself over after Azazel, the, remember, Semyaza, the name of Azazel, the name of Azaz, and um, he followed his rebellion and said, that looks like fun. Brothers and sisters, let us not follow the example of these wicked angels, these rebels, these, the lawless ones. The lawless ones are back, teaching rebellion amongst the children of men once again, like Messiah says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Brothers and sisters, I believe we're here in the day where mixture is being taught, chimeras, right? The mixtures of species, the mixture of the sanctity of the home, 
of the marriage, the destruction of the commandments of the Most High, turning him into nothing, at least in the eyes of men and women. But I'm here to say that though the darkness has gotten darker in this world, the Most High is raising up a remnant to be the light. Messiah says in chapter 5 that you are the light of the world. Well, brothers and sisters, it's time to shine brightly. It's time to be beacons of truth. And whatever that looks like, we all have a different calling. But whatever your calling is, now is the time. There is no more time. Now is the time to wake up and to help wake up those around you, to raise up the tribes of Israel. Isaiah 49, the same thing that was given to Messiah, the same duty that was given to Messiah is to raise up the former desolations in Isaiah 61, to repair the breach for the planting of the trees of righteousness, the Psalm 1, 1 through 3 trees. You want to be a Psalm 1 tree, not a, not a, a thorn or a briar, just like John the Baptist said. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meet for repentance. The axe is laid to the root, and the tree that brings forth not good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, that same fire that the devil and his angels are destined to be. We'll learn more about that next week. Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Yahweh Most High, we bless you, Father. We bless you and thank you for sending Messiah, Yahusha. We thank you for forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for having mercy on us, Father. Now that we've had this mercy, we've been given this gift, Father, of salvation, let us walk uprightly. Let us walk as Messiah walked, Father. Help us to do that. Trim off us the bad dead branches and dead leaves, Father. Prune us that we may do what's right in your sight, Father. For we want to be a ready and waiting bride for when Messiah Yahushua comes back. We want to be those wise ones that enter into the door and into the marriage. Help us, Father. Give us understanding. Give us your truth, Father, and give it to us liberally. We ask you, we do not waver. We are not double-minded about you, Father. We bless you in Yahushua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom, brothers and sisters. I pray that this was a blessing for you. And we'll do a couple songs. We'll do the priestly blessing. And uh, we'll do one other song. So Shabbat shalom to you. We'll see you next week.
bitches we left in the ditches We thought that we failed you It put to the test They heard the voice from the throne Those who obey me I will Yeah.